I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. I've been into all things health and wellness for over 20 years, and I've taken every herb, every supplement, I've tried every practice, even some that I won't even repeat on this show because they're so embarrassing, quite frankly. But I've gone to extreme lengths to be healthy and feel good and be free of any sort of disorders or diseases. I plan to grow old gracefully and so far, so good. But one thing that I've discovered over the past couple of years, based on a lot of research, experience, and also interviewing over 200 experts in the field of health, is that one of our main problems is exposure to blue and green artificial light at night. It's called junk lighting, and it trashes you. So I don't care how much you exercise, what supplements you take, what vitamins you take, If you're exposing yourself to technology like your phone, computers, street lights, car lights, any artificial lighting at night that is not red or amber color, you're playing yourself. I just, I got to tell you, and there is a solution to that. It's a company called Blue Blocks and they make protective eyewear. Now that sounds really geeky. They make really cool, what look like sunglasses at night, but they block blue light. So you can go to blueblocks.com. That's B L U. B-L-O-X.com. Enter the code LIFESTYLIST and save 15% off their eyewear. They have different versions too. There's some that you wear during the daytime or on a computer or in early evening or the really dark ones that block out 100% of the harmful blue light at night. So you've got option there. You've got different frames and uh, they also do prescription and non-prescription and reading glasses. So they are hooking it up over at blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U- B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. Check it out. Oh man, I am buzzing to tell you about Beekeepers Naturals, you guys. Now I've been into bee products for a really long time. And after I recorded and published episode 175 with Carly Stein, I got even more obsessed with bee products. Now, a lot of people think bees just make honey. Oh, that's nice. It tastes sweet and it comes in that little bear thing. No, dude, bees make a whole suite of really potent superfoods. They're actually medicines in many countries. They're considered medicine, and I consider them that too. So you've got your propolis, you've got bee pollen, and of course the honey, and the royal jelly. Now, Beekeepers Naturals, which to me is the number one most premier bee product company in the world, also make a product called Bee Powered, which combines all of those superfoods from the hive into one product, which is just absolutely insane. There's something you need to be aware of, though, when it comes to bee products is that even if you get, say, like a great honey that tastes delicious and it's labeled organic, it still could be tainted by pesticides like Roundup. It's called glyphosate. It's like one of the most gnarly pesticides in the world. Monsanto, you are evil. Shame on you. Why are you putting this stuff all over the planet? Anyway, I digress. Here's the deal, though. You can label a bee product organic, but that doesn't mean that your bees from your hive aren't going down the road and like picking up a bunch of glyphosate and bringing it back into your hives. So you want to only use bee products from a company you can trust 
And Beekeepers Naturals is one such company because not only is their whole process organic and really kind to the environment and to the bees, which is really important, but they test for all contaminants and poisons and pesticides using a third-party verified lab. So you know that you're getting a pure, safe, and very effective product from beekeepersnaturals.com. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, use the code LIFESTYLIST, and save 15% off your order. This very special bootleg broadcast of the Lifestylist podcast was recorded live on location at the Rama Institute on the island of Majorca, Spain. Now, keep in mind, this is recorded live on stage, no edits, not in a studio. So the sound gets weird or it's kind of uh, off the cuff. That's why. Keeping it super real. Before we break down this episode, I want to remind you to join my mailing list. Now, I know what you're thinking. I don't want another dumb spammy email. Why would I do that, Luke? Seriously, though, if you listen to this podcast and you want all of the resources, the bullet points, the notes, the outlines, all of the discount codes that I mention in every show, all that stuff, you got to join the newsletter. It's pretty much all I send you is one every Tuesday saying, hey, here's today's show. Here's what we talk about. Here's all the links. It's super high value, great content. I never spam you. I don't share your email. I'm not creepy and weird with the email list, but I do like to stay in touch with the listeners. So if you want to be awesome and not be a dork, Join the list and be one of the cool kids. Go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Super easy. lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Takes literally two seconds. You enter your name, your email, click submit, boom, you're on the list. If you ever want to get off the list, you just unsubscribe. Super easy. But I know you'll never do that because I don't send you dumb crap. If you just want to text me, you can get on the list even faster. Text the word, all one word, lifestylist to the number 44222 on any U.S. phone. So if you have a U.S. phone, text this word, lifestylist to the number 44222. And uh, if you're on the newsletter, you're also going to be notified when my new online jet lag and travel uh, online class comes out, which I've been working on for freaking ever since like 1982. It's taken me forever because I'm traveling a lot this year, but I will get it done and you'll be the first one to know if you're on my newsletter. Here's what I talk about in this live recording. The fundamental metaphysical and physical laws that dictate our human experience, why it's so important to practice simple, grounded principles for improving our experience of the physical world, the most common and sometimes hidden toxins in your household and your energetic environment, the main element that makes up most of our physical vessel. An interesting fact about our water, your body, and water scarcity on the planet Evaluating our overall relationship with water and what the best water to drink and bathe in truly is. The spiritual power of ice bathing and polar plunges. An inconvenient but powerful truth about artificial light. The most powerful anti-cancer substance in the human body and how we can make more of it. And finally, dispelling the myth of the sun being an evil force in the sky that we must avoid. (laughs) So this one's all about aligning yourself with nature. And for those of you that write into me in the show and say, I can't afford all these expensive biohacks. I don't like all this technology and supplements. Listen, I I get you. I think honestly, if you listen to this episode and if you started practicing, you know, 30, 40% of the stuff I recommend in this talk, you wouldn't need any of that shit. Now I'm just extra. I'm next level. I'm totally obsessive and I'm nuts. So I do all the natural stuff, you know, to the best of my ability, the sun gazing, the spring water, the ice baths, all the things, right? 
but I also use all the biohacking gadgets every day because I'm just, I'm just, dude, it's just how I roll. I got to do it all. I can't do anything halfway now in my life that's mostly productive. There was a time in my life when being next level was a bit self-destructive. Uh, but now I just go all in. But if you're one of those people, seriously, that's like, oh, I don't want to spend money on all this stuff. Listen to this episode, do this stuff. It will change your life. It's very simple. It's common sense. It's super basic, but it's sometimes the most obvious things in life that elude us, right? And that's what I talk about in this live talk. So I'm really stoked to share this with you. Make sure you leave a review in iTunes. Let me know what you thought of the show. Unless you didn't like it, then definitely do not leave a review. Check it out. Tuesday's show might be my favorite interview in the entire history of the Lifestylist podcast. I ain't even playing. It's called Everything You Ever Want to Know About Almost Anything with Dr. Ted Achacoso. He's a doctor from the Philippines. He's a cosmonaut. He is just completely next level. And he's one of the eight smartest people on the planet. I mean, that's not a typo. Legit. One in eight million. He is a brilliant guy, but also totally relatable and spiritual and awesome. He's just a freaking Yoda. He's a Yoda. He's a Jedi. He's a master. He's badass. So subscribe to the show. Make sure you don't miss Tuesday's show. I've got an event coming up. I've been talking about it. You're probably sick of hearing about it. If you don't have tickets, you're tripping. This thing's amazing. It's put on by Bulletproof Upgrade Labs in partnership with Paleo FX, two of the biggest health and wellness summits in the world. The Health Optimization Summit is September 14th and 15th. I'm going to be emceeing this thing. I'm going to be all over recording. I'm going to be up in that mix hardcore. If you want to come hang out in London with me, and a bunch of other health luminaries and experts, you can win free tickets super easy. I'm going to announce the um, the winners on August 30th. All you have to do to enter, and I'm just going to tell you like behind the scenes secret, it's super easy to win, guys. Just go to lukestory.com forward slash London. That's lukestory.com forward slash London. Or text the word London on a US phone to the number 44222. That's London to 44222 if you have a US phone. If you don't have a US phone, shit won't work. Go to lukestore.com forward slash London. All right, enough of the intro. Let's kick off this bootleg broadcast of yours truly recorded live in Majorca, Spain at the Rama Institute. Enjoy the show. My name's Luke Story. Thank you for joining me in this workshop today. Uh, this is my PowerPoint. It's a very technical operation we're running here. But I do like to have a couple notes to have a general idea what we're going to talk about. But oftentimes, what I find to be most interesting and fulfilling is to just kind of see where the conversation takes us. And that's challenging sometimes because when somebody books you to do a talk, uh, often they want a title and a description of what's going to be talked about. And of course, if people see that title and description and they enroll themselves in the process and show up, there might be some expectation that that's what's going to be shared. So I'll do my best to stay uh, on topic to the best of my ability, but there's just so much to talk about. You know, there's so many uh, different avenues to health and well-being and ascension and enlightenment and all of the things that we've all been learning so much about over this weekend. So I think what I'd like to focus on is just some really basic fundamental truths that I've discovered that have really been supportive of my life and my growth and my well-being as it pertains first to the physical embodied experience 
with the understanding that the physical experience serves the purpose of the non-physical, non-linear soul experience. And so for me, there's always this dance of the inner work and the outer work, the outer work meaning staying healthy, you know, eating right, exercise, all this kind of stuff, uh, and finding a place in between those two that makes sense. Because I think for people like me that have been um, very self-destructive at different points in my life and really, really unhealthy and unhappy, once I started finding some of the keys to the locks in terms of restoring my vitality and my energy and my health and ridding myself of so many physical ailments that it's really easy to get caught up in thinking green juice is going to save your life and take you to God, you know? And so it's like uh, the physical practices, much like the yoga, uh, to me are just to keep the vessel alive as long as it's meant to be alive in order to do our work here. And so there's a... An emphasis, I think, in, in the industry that I come from on taking the right supplements and what diet is the right diet and should I be juicing celery or eating the carnivore diet and all of these crazy extremes. And I've tried all of them. At the end of the day, I think that what is really missing for so many of us humans on the planet is our actual connection to Mother Earth and to the natural laws that govern not only the planet, but the universe the multiverse. There's fundamental principles and laws uh, on all different levels from the metaphysical to the physical. And I think it's important to share information that's very grounded when it comes to the physical because there are so many different opinions on the right way to live a healthy lifestyle and what's going to serve your body and prevent disease and keep you feeling young and looking young and living as long as you can and longevity and all these ideas that we talk about. And because I've been so interested in all of that for so many years, I've seen so many different waves and trends come in. Um, speaking of the celery juice, I know uh, Guru Jagat's a fan of the medical medium, and I've heard her talk about the juice. And you know, when I looked into his stuff, I was like, "Wait, we're back! We're back to juicing." That was like 1993. You know, now we're coming back around, and there's just so many different trends and cycles. And uh, I don't personally think that. It's all that important when it comes to your health, like which particular diet you're on, because every body is so unique. And in the lifespan of one human, not only is your chemistry and biology completely unique from the next person, all 7 billion of us, but on a day-to-day -day or even seasonal basis, what we need and what fuels us and what makes us feel good also changes. You know, some days I feel like, wow, I just kind of want to drink juice today. And other days I want to eat like an entire raw cow liver. And sorry to the vegans here, but you know, that's the way my body operates. It's just like, it wants this, it wants that. And, um, you know, I'm learning slowly to honor that, but you can go online and ask Dr. Google, you know, what's the best diet, right? And I mean, there's such compelling evidence that being vegan is the best diet and eating all meats the best or this or that. And, um, you know, to the Ayurvedic approach and Chinese medicine approach and all the approaches. And at the end of the day, I've tried so many of them. And um, other than just doing my best to eliminate some of the main offenders, just, you know, not eating food that's sprayed by poison, uh, uh, with poison, um, herbicides, fungicides, people sides, all the things that's kind of in our agricultural system, you know, obviously not eating McDonald's and whatever, but I don't find that I feel that much different. It's on the more cellular level that I think 
our true health and vitality comes from. And that takes us back to something that's universal that we're all wired for, no matter what your kind of dietary choices are, whether you like to take herbs or supplements or superfoods or smoothies or whatever your bag is. Uh, what really matters is our relationship to the cosmos and to the earth. And I find that those big macro moves and just getting back to basic fundamentals is what really is most supportive of my physical health. And so that's kind of the approach I like to talk about. Uh, if any of you in the room uh, are familiar with things that I do online or the podcast that I have called The Lifestylist, that's The Lifestylist available on iTunes on your podcast app. I mean, I'm into all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm just, I'm a health crusader. I'm just, I'm quite nuts about it uh, to the point of being a bit neurotic, admittedly, uh, but it's fun. You know, I enjoy it. Aside from all of that stuff though, it's really about <laughs> harnessing and channeling the energy that's here. And when we eat food, we're just channeling some energy. But there's an energy source that's much more abundant than anything we could ever put in our bodies, right? And it's the energy that's around our bodies. And so I think a good place to start with that would be what we're really mostly made of. Does anyone know what we're mostly made of? Our physical body, the vessel, water, right? I think about weird stuff like this sometimes and I go kind of deep into it. When I meditate, I just, I contemplate things that I think many of us, myself included, have just taken for granted. It's just, oh, the body's the body. It's, you know, it's a bunch of skin and meat and bones. But if you think about what happens to a body when it's cremated, there's not much left of it after you get rid of the water. Not to be morbid, but there's any one of us right now that, you know, ceased to uh, exist on this plane and was cremated, you'd have a little urn of ashes, basically carbon that's about this big. You know, I don't know, what is an ounce or something that's left of you, right? After you get rid of all the water. Fire is a good way to, you know, change the structure of water and make it into a vapor. So once our water is vaporized, there's really nothing there of the physical body. So to me, it's always been paramount to really be mindful about uh, the water that is making up the physical body because that's ultimately what carries the energy through my body and enables me to go about my mission here, which again is the spiritual mission, the ascension, the enlightenment, the service to my highest good and the service to God can only be accomplished if I'm embodied. So how can I be embodied in the most powerful way for as long as nature deems it necessary for me to be here on that mission. So I just I always want to just, you know, keep that framework that the physical stuff, it can really be a distraction. I know this for myself. I wasted so much time trying to perfect the physical experience and was unaware of the fact that it's really about serving the spiritual mission. So back to water, there's this really fascinating fact about water despite much um, propaganda about the scarcity of water on the planet, although there are areas in which water is scarce, obviously, deserts, etc. There's something called primary water. And this is water that the planet makes. And on that note, your body also makes water. It makes water out of fat. It's really interesting. It's called metabolic water or exclusion zone water. And this is the process by which camels cross the desert without any water in sight. You know that hump on their back? That's fat. And that fat makes water. It's crazy. So like so many things in our 
reality, the human body oftentimes is just a micro example of the macro global system. You know, so many things I'm sure you guys are aware are mimicked within the human body that exist in nature. You know, I'm sure you've seen those pictures of different foods that like a walnut looks like a brain, et cetera, right? So I think there's patterns within nature that repeat themselves. And one of the patterns that's so fascinating is that animals, including the human animal, the human ape, actually make water. It's another topic of conversation. But the point being is there's a water called primary water. And this is water that's actually manufactured by the planet. And it comes up in the form of springs. Anyone drink spring water here? Like, has anyone ever drinking out of a spring, like out of a mountain? Yeah. Can you attest to the fact that there's something different about that water? There's, there's a visceral energy and aliveness to that experience. It's this primordial... I get the sense when I'm, when I'm practicing that, which is one of my favorite things in the world to do, it's the simple pleasures, right? Those gifts. It's, it's truly like, you're going, where did this water come from? Well, it comes from the planet, okay? And primary water, which is the ultimate, that would be like the super chronic spring water that's not been through the hydrological cycle, meaning it's not been through the industrial age. It's older than that, or in one sense, in terms of primary water, it's newer than that. So when it comes to building the body and this really sack of water, which is what we are, I think it just makes perfect common sense that whenever possible, and it's not always possible, and this is where the, you know, the orthorexia sort of neuroses of wanting to do everything perfectly all the time uh, can get you, something you have to look out for, much like on the spiritual path, looking out for spiritual pride and all of the trappings that come along with being on a journey. But that said, I think that a lot of people wonder, um, or maybe they don't, they just go to their tap and they, they drink some water or they have a little Brita filter on their sink or something like that. And they're like, oh, this is, this is water. But in fact, um, by definition, any water that's been processed by humans is now a processed water. And it's not really that same water anymore. And many of us in this room, I'm sure, uh, are aware of the fact that you want to eat whole food, real food, you know, regardless of whether it's a plant or an animal or whatever its origin was, that it just makes sense to eat something in its original intact state, right? When we're building a body and the crystalline structure of our body, which is really what it is, and we're using water that's not water anymore, meaning it's been highly processed, whether that's through going through pipes in a municipal system like a city like this, and then put through some kind of little filter or uh, water that's been, you know, run through all these processes to turn it into a plastic bottle, et cetera. It'll keep you alive, but it's not necessarily optimal. And so I'm a huge proponent of being really conscious of the water that we put in our bodies when possible. And getting water from a natural spring source is just the ultimate and I will give you a resource for this. And if this recording comes out right, this will end up being a podcast. And if I feel like I was able to provide you know, some valuable information enough to warrant that, but you know, you'll be able to get this later. But there's a website called findaspring.com. And this is the site um, that I've used a lot in my life when I travel to go find springs. You know, I didn't look here, actually. I did try to see if there was a hot springs uh, on the island of Majorca. There is not. Uh, according to my research, but there might be springs here. 
And you can find them on findaspring.com and uh, you can go seek them out. You know, another way you can do it is you can, uh, when you travel and you go to the local town, find the health food store. In other words, like find the hippies and ask the people that work there if there's a local spring around that's safe for drinking. And for those of you that didn't raise your hand and haven't had this experience, there's something really cool that happens when you do this. And uh, what happens is you're really interfacing with nature on just such a primal level. And it's just something that feels so good. Now, is it practical for everyone to go collect their own spring water all the time and exclusively drink that? Probably not, depending on where you live. If you live in, uh, you know, if you live out in the mountains, a high altitude, it's very likely that there's a spring nearby that you could go fill up with sometimes. There's some around LA where I live. They're a couple hours away, but they're, they're there if you look hard enough. But if you can't do that, the next best thing is having some sort of uh, delivery service that can bring you pure spring water. And I think it's also really important to be aware. <laughs> it's really difficult. I've been noticing here in the city uh, uh, to avoid plastic. And I think many of us think about the environmental implications of plastic because we love the ocean. We love the animals, the creatures. We love our planet. And Conscious people don't want to litter it, and plastic is a really gnarly pollutant, but it's, it's even worse for inside your body. And I'm not trying to freak you out if you're drinking plastic water. I've been drinking it the whole trip. I'm fine. I feel amazing. But uh, plastics in water, especially water that's been exposed to light, can really wreak havoc on your body, specifically your endocrine system, aka your hormones. And so a lot of people that have really um, profoundly troubling issues with their hormones can link it back to plastic exposure, even in their baby bottle going back all the way. So the ideal scenario uh, in my playbook is to really get our water from as close to nature, as unprocessed as possible, and ideally avoiding plastic when it's practical to do so. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I've known for a long time that the cannabis plant and the hemp plant are very powerful healing plants. And I was really excited to see some of the government regulations ease up over the past couple years and to be able to watch all of these CBD products flood the market. Now that's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's good because wow, now we've got you know the opportunity to really research this plant more, to be able to make its use more widespread and safe. You can get many products now that aren't psychoactive. However, I'd be careful with the drug tests. Um, but anyway, you can use the cannabis plant without getting high. You can actually use it as a health product. The problem is, is that there's so many CBD products on the market now, it's really difficult to choose the one that actually works. So my money right now is on Onda Wellness. I'm really excited to tell you about them. I've been using their products for a couple months now, and um, I'm finding it to be very, very effective. And this has a lot to do with the fact that it's a full spectrum oil, meaning all of the constituents that make this medicine work for you are present in the plant and no chemicals at all, even alcohol, are used in the extraction process. So they've invented a proprietary extraction process that gives you the good stuff out of the plant that actually has a medicinal effect without adding any toxins or chemicals to it. And of course, obviously, if I'm going to talk about it on this show, it's organically grown. I mean, that goes without saying, right? 
So if you want to check out CBD, if you want to get relaxed, if you want to ease up your anxiety, improve your sleep, that's what I use this stuff for. Um, it's pretty awesome, actually. And I just had some before I cut this recording about 20 minutes ago. I'm not even kidding. So go to ondawellness.com. That's O-N-D-A wellness. Ondawellness.com. Enter the code Luke15 at checkout and save yourself a cool 15%. That's ondawellness.com. The code is Luke15. Check it out. And now back to the interview. The other element of water is the spiritual element of being in water. And I find this to be so fascinating. I recently, my girlfriend turned me onto a book uh, that I haven't read yet, but it's, it's about like their, I wish I knew who the author was uh, offhand, but I'm going to read it because the whole book is about why water makes humans happy. And I've always observed that most people go on vacation, they go on vacation near bodies of water. We love being around water. Even the, the first day I was here, I went to the beach and I was just observing all the people and I thought they could just go up on the hill and hang out. Why does everyone have to come right here to where the water is? It's because there's a real healing and metaphorically, metaphysically grounding element to water and also scientifically grounding element to water. When you're in water, you can be no more electrically, electrically grounded. And so one of the issues that we face is that we live in an electrified world with all of these invisible frequencies around that are very disruptive to our biology. And when you're in water, all of that is completely nullified. And so there's so many different elements to why we enjoy being near water and in water and why we love vacationing and taking our time of rest near bodies of water. So I'm a huge proponent of taking internally natural water and also making a real practice out of building that relationship with water, natural bodies of water. And I mean, I can barely pass by a, a fairly clean looking stream, river, lake, ocean without jumping out and getting in it. When I take road trips, I am always look at my GPS. When I look for little blue spots, I'm like, I just take the car wherever the blue spot is and see if it looks relatively safe to get in that water especially if that water happens to be freezing cold, which is a whole other element I guess we can perhaps touch on. But that's my, that's my pitch on really having that relationship with water because on a physical level, that's pretty much what we are. And if you think about all of your bodily fluids, specifically your blood, it's mostly made of water. And so, you know, I've often asked myself the question, do I want the government who's selling me the city water to be building my blood. (laughs) I don't want to build my blood out of that water if it's avoidable. And I also want to make sure that I'm bathing in as clean of water as I can. And there's ways that you can filter city water. Those people that live out in the country and have wells and things like that are a little better off. But I think that the, the healing element of water is so important. And when we talk about the bathing in natural waters it's really interesting to observe how many places in the world are named something springs or something hot springs. It's because since the beginning of time memorial, humans have settled around springs and have settled around hot springs. You know, where I'm from in in the US, pretty much every town that has a hot springs, the whole town economy is kind of built around that. It's one of the main attractions. And, you know, sadly, those lands belonged to other people before and they were sacred 
territories to those people as well. And that's because humans know that when you get in hot water and you get in cold water, that it takes you back to where you came from. And it's really grounding. And especially in the context of Kundalini Yoga, which for me, I don't know about you guys, but I can, especially in Tage's classes, I was talking to someone about her workshops. You know, have you ever done one of her like three hour workshops? I mean, she even tells you like, don't drive for a while. You know, she always makes you eat some fruit at the end or talk to someone, get a hug, like come back to earth. It can be very elevating and um, so can many other practices and just getting in that water, especially super hot water, hot springs, hot tubs, hot baths. You know, there's a reason why these things are so soothing to us. And also, it's really important, I think, for anyone that wants to really strengthen their nervous system, which is obviously what much of this practice is about, to really get used to the cold water. And of course, in the Kundalini Yoga uh, teachings, cold showers are recommended, which are awesome and a great place to start. But if you live somewhere warm, cold showers aren't really cold. I've been trying to take a cold shower here and I'm like, well, eh, it's better than a hot shower, but it's not a cold shower. And where I live in LA, most of the year, they aren't that cold. But taking it a step further, you know, you can really work your way up. And once you get used to the idea, well, not the idea, once you find a way to surrender to the temporary discomfort of a cold shower and you can hang with that for a little while, it's pretty a pretty fast process to build yourself up to where you can stay in bodies of water for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes in water that's 35 degrees, 40 degrees, 45 degrees. And this alone, aside from, you know, like I said, the leaving aside whatever diet you eat, all that stuff, provided you're not eating toxins, just taking ice baths and jumping in freezing water. Again, an ancient, ancient practice. People attribute this to kind of first it was in pro sports. They would do ice baths and then kind of in the biohacking scene now people are into ice baths, otherwise known uh, scientifically as cold thermogenesis. It's very therapeutic, helps you burn fat, all kinds of benefits. But if you uh, observe cultures in um, Scandinavia, for example, this, is, this has been part of culture for as long as recorded history. You know, taking a sauna, a Finnish sauna, jumping in the, cutting a hole in the ice, jumping in the, the lake. There's a reason people do that. It's because it works. It has an extremely profound effect on your consciousness and your body and your vitality. And I've definitely benefited from both of those, from saunas. I'm a huge fan of infrared saunas. I just remembered there's, there's actually a sauna at my hotel and I was like really excited, but it's so hot here. I keep forgetting. <laughs> By the time I walk back to the hotel, the last thing on my mind is like, oh, a sauna would be good right now. But these practices where we're exposing ourselves to the elements, I think are really profound and really powerful because the world we've created which I love. I love technology. I love some AC. I got to have AC, man. I sleep with the room. I mean, it's as cold as an air conditioner will possibly go. That's how I like to sleep. Um, I, I don't like to be hot at night, you know? Um, so I love technology, but we've, what we've done to ourselves is we've basically uh, domesticated ourselves and we've turned ourselves into very fragile humanoids, very fragile apes. Or we can't, if it's too hot, we freak out. If we, I mean, I have buddies over and I try to teach them about the ice bath. I have an ice bath I kind of fashioned out of a, a chest freezer in my backyard. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, if you want to find out about it, uh, I, I gave the plans for it to a friend of mine named Ben Greenfield. And he put it on his blog with all the links and stuff like that. You can get a freezer at Sears, put it in your yard and you got an ice bath. But I have friends come over and I'm like, jump in the ice bath. And I mean, these are like... 
These are burly guys, you know, that work out like tough guys, the guys that you want around when there's a fire, you know what I mean? Way tougher than me. And they're like, ah! they put their finger in the water and basically run, run out of the yard crying. You know, I'm like, really? That's not, there's something wrong with that. Human beings are wired to be able to withstand nature. That's, how, that's why we're here. And so it's been a profound practice for me on, on many levels, the cold water therapy. A, to strengthen my nervous system, and B, that I then can handle some of life's challenges with more equanimity because I know how to sit in water and have my nervous system tell me, get the fuck out, you are going to die, run, run. <laughs> you know? when, how long did I stay? Um, 10 minutes is my usual. Yeah. I stayed 20 minutes once and it was a little difficult to walk out. So... That happened to me in a creek once too in Sedona. I was like, I'm going to go take an ice bath. It was winter time in Sedona, Arizona. And I climbed down these kind of steep, tall rocks into the river. And I laid down in there. And uh, you freak out for a second and breathe into it. Surrender, surrender, breathe, surrender. Know that it's just your mind tricking you. And I laid there and I, I got in this really beautiful space, a really meditative space. And I don't know how long I was in there, um, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And then I thought, hmm, I'm kind of numb. <laughs> this is weird. I'm, I felt like my skin was on fire, you know? Like that's the thing with cold. It's, it really is a, a trick to the, to the brain because uh, when you get in really cold water for an extended period of time, it starts to feel hot. It's really interesting. I don't know. Has anyone experienced that? Like your skin kind of burns. It's trippy. And then you're red when you get out, right? So that started to happen. I was like, yeah, I better get out. I'm all, I was alone. And, uh, and I went to get out and I, I kind of couldn't climb up the rocks. And I freaked out. It's like freezing winter and I'm alone. There's no you know, cell phone or anything. I'm mean, sure I was fine. I was just being dramatic with myself. But it was a good little warning. Like not so fast, hotshot. Take it easy. Um, let's be safe about it. But I find that in life, I'm able to kind of weather the storm because I can weather being completely calm and sitting in some water that's 35 degrees. And now, and I'm not trying to be like, ooh, I'm tough because I can get water. It, trust me, it, it's taken a long time to kind of work up, but it feels actually really good to have some authority over my nervous system, be able to just sit down into that water and just go, that's about as long as it takes me to just sit there and relax and just be a complete peace with it. So when the parking ticket happens, when the disagreement with a friend happens, when the things happen, for me, it's always uh, one that gets me is um, when you go to the mailbox and there's a letter from the IRS. And most of the time it's something dumb like, oh, we're just letting you know the change of address worked or whatever. It's, not, it's never even like a thing. Well, it has been a thing for me at various times in the past. I'll cut this out of the recording. But um, no, seriously, uh, there are things like that that come up, but building that res resilience, you know, and this is what's so great about getting outdoors and just getting in the practice of not putting a jacket on and just freezing for a while just to show yourself that you can handle it. Just to be the human ape that you are and to be strong. And that's what I love about brief periods of exposure in super hot climates too, just getting super hot. Sometimes I go out in the sun and I just bake and bake and bake until I'm just ready to pass out. It just feels really good and then do some contrast to get really cold. And again, I think this is just inherent to our nature once you start to build these practices. And I'm sure many of you have. It's like, then you can't really live without it. And then I find that some of the other more superficial physical practices become less meaningful or noticeable because those ones really move the needle so much. 
And when you're talking about cold therapy, I mean, you have the therapeutic energetic value of just being submerged in water, but the anti-inflammation, the production of serotonin, the production of dopamine, when you get in really cold water, your neurotransmitters go crazy in the most powerful way. Regulating of your hormones, uh, anti-inflammation, faster healing, deeper and more profound sleep. It's really incredible what that particular thing can do. And no amount of acai smoothies or spirulina or whatever can do that, you know, or even, and I love herbs and I love super, I love all the things, you know, I love all the plants that creation has provided for us and the humans that have figured out what to do with them and all that. And so I'm not discounting that, but if you can put some practices like this into your life on a regular basis, it's just, you're kind of like, it doesn't really matter so much about the periphery of dietary nuances, as long as you're kind of avoiding the big gnarlies, you know, MSG, GMOs, aspartame, pesticides, just the actual poisons. If you can just kind of do your best to keep those away. Oh, and seed oils, rancid oils, oxidizing oils, which is like all vegetable oils, basically, except coconut oil. That's water. Next element I would like to cover is light. And this one, <laughs> this one is the one that really bothers people as a recommendation because I'm so into all of the health things and all that. And I have this podcast called The Lifestylist about that. Uh, I always get people that DM me or they, they write into my website and they're like, all this health stuff is too expensive, you know, because a lot of it is like you get into some of the technologies. They are. I mean, some of these devices are thousands of dollars and it's like not everyone needs those. I think people that are compromised and have had some illness, there's a lot of technologies that are really powerful. Um, magnetic therapy, PMF. I mean, just on and on. There are a lot of really great things. But people that aren't in a position to get some of those things feel left out of the party and pissed because they can't be healthy. And when I give this recommendation, this is the one that no one's really willing to do or very few people because it, it can be really inconvenient and it can also be incredibly irritating to the people around you that have not bought into this scientific fact that when we're living at night and we're telling our brains that it's noon, that there's a huge mismatch of data and information going into your brain. And what I'm speaking about is this wonderful thing called, well, what used to be the incandescent light bulb. We've now lit our world, and you can see this on a global map, right? You see you know, the, the fact that uh, all the land masses are lit up at night. And I'm so grateful. I mean, can you imagine stumbling around with candles or torches? What a royal pain in the ass. I love lights. I love light bulbs. It's wonderful that we have lighting in here, but mankind is clever in its ability to create more convenience, but oftentimes we're short-sighted about the long-term effects or we're just unaware or we just don't care. And now there's much science alluding to a very fundamental fact, and that is our bodies are regulated by the cosmos. They're regulated by the stars, the sun, the moon. When we light our world at night, our bodies have not evolved to have it be daytime all the time. 
our bodies have evolved to have it be daytime when the sun's visible in the sky and then the sun goes wherever it goes. I'm not sure how that all works exactly. Especially if you get into all the flat earth shit. It gets really confusing. I'm definitely not going to go there. I'm not sold on either theory, by the way. I'm just going to say that publicly. <laughs> there's really weird, compelling evidence on both sides. But whatever the case may be, there's this thing that I love called the sun. And when it's up, man, I want all of it I can get. I love the sun. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But our body doesn't love fake sun at night. Our body is regulated by hormones and neurotransmitters. And those hormones and neurotransmitters are regulated by sunlight. And how they're regulated by sunlight is by two mechanisms. One is the temperature of that light, the color of the light. And in the sun, in the natural spectrum of light in the sun, are all the colors of the rainbow. And those colors are not visible to the naked eye, unless, of course, there is a prism or a rainbow, and then you can, in fact, see them. But our eyes and even the photoreceptors in our skin are able to take in that minutia, that data from natural light and indicate to all the systems in our body what they're supposed to be doing in any given time. In other words, our body and our brain and our eyes are in constant communication with the sun. And so when we make fake suns inside, which would be like all iPhones, computers, all lighting, every little LED on every technology, every appliance, refrigerator, in my hotel room, because I'm just, now I'm like fucking neurotic about this, unfortunately, because I just, you can't unknow things once you know them. So it's like, you know, how do you have, how do you have awareness and not be a total nut about it? That's kind of the challenge here. But in my hotel room, just like blue light, blue light, <laughs> there's all these little lights everywhere, you know, at night. And I know because I've interviewed some of the most brilliant people, scientists, molecular biologists, brain surgeons in the world, hundreds of hours of interviews that know what happens when you're exposed to that, right? So the reason people I find um, are so challenged by that particular practice and awareness of light is because we're so addicted to the convenience and some of the interventions on still being able to use the technology that we like at night and have our world lit yet not have it be so harmful to our biology and the natural rhythms that we're meant and designed to live within, uh, the interventions um, can be inconvenient. And the interventions are stopping blue light at night. There's two ways you can do that. One way is you can wear some goofy glasses. Oh, I meant to bring mine to show you guys. I mean, I think they're kind of cool, but I've heard otherwise from other people. They're all right. I mean, I'd rather not wear glasses at night, but they... They block the blue light. They have a specific spectrum of light. They're kind of amber color. It's uh, 550 nanometers for the science geeks. Uh, that's the wavelength of light that you need to be blocking at night. Uh, or in your home, you can just use uh, old incandescent style bulbs, like antique bulbs. You can still get them on Amazon. They're like decorative lighting. And after making that transition for a few years now, you know, I don't, I'm not always on point about it, but I do my best when it's not terribly inconvenient. Sometimes, whatever, you go into the movies and like, I want to enjoy the movie. I made the mistake of watching the Blade Runner movie a couple years ago and it was red. You know, the whole movie was red. <laughs> but I had, I had my prescription glasses, so I, ha I had to commit to the red movie uh, in order to see it clearly. And I was like, oh, this really sucks. Next time, I'm just going to watch a blue light movie. Uh, but the interventions are just 
being aware of the fact that if it's night and you're sitting in here and you're looking at that thing, your brain's going, oh, cool, it's noon right now. Let's turn on cortisol and turn off melatonin. And melatonin, a lot of people are um, aware that has a lot to do with your sleep. But when you really make melatonin is in the morning. So if you get up in the morning and you look at natural sunlight, that's usually one of the first things I do is just try to get outside, not behind glass, but actually natural light in my eyes because that's when you make dopamine and that's when you make melatonin. And melatonin doesn't just help you fall asleep at night. Melatonin is the number one most powerful anti-cancer substance in the human body and your body makes it. And guess what? Your body can't make it if it's looking at that, period. It stops it for up to four hours after you look at that at night. So again, back to the balance and not living a life of paranoia, but living a life of awareness. And the next part of light, aside from being aware of the natural cycles and being in sync with them, is the importance of understanding the nourishing value of the sun and why since the beginning of recorded history, ancient cultures worshiped the sun. I think some of us think that, well, they worshiped the sun because they were just stupid. Like they didn't realize that that's not a God. And, you know, they're just these primitive people carving little statues and worshiping them or something like that. I mean, I've thought those things at different points in life. Like, oh, they didn't, they didn't really have anything figured out. Now we're advanced, right? We're the advanced civilization that has advanced ourselves into uh, premature death. And, you know, now we're in a place not to be, again, to be morbid or negative. It's just a fact, you know, the generation of kids being born now is the first generation that is not going to live as long as their parents, you know? And um, that's not just because of junk food and donuts and cigarettes. That's because of, we're not in sync with the laws of nature. And one of the main ones being the sun. One of the reasons that so many of us are avoidant of the sun uh, is because we've been brainwashed by companies like Procter & Gamble that make sunscreen and they have to sell it to you by telling you the sun gives you cancer. Now that said, I do not advocate going out and getting sunburn, right? I mean, it's important to know what your threshold for sun is, but I also have people that are in my inner circle that are very fair-skinned and over time safely are able to acclimate to more sun. One of the things, inter interestingly enough, that helps you acclimate to really getting that nourishing and healing energy from the sun is by avoiding blue light at night <laughs> because then your body knows when it's real sun and when it's fake sun. Another way that I like to use light, oh, also uh, with sun exposure too, it's incredible for balancing your hormones. So, you know, this is a huge issue now because there's so many things in our environment that disrupt the natural production or balance of hormones and getting a lot of healthy, safe sun exposure is one of the best ways you can balance your hormones, especially if you can get most of your naked body out in the sun, especially for guys. It's incredible if you knew there aren't very many guys here, but if you have low testosterone, nude sunbathing is one of the best ways to raise your testosterone uh, in, the, in a really uh, short order. So losing that fear of sun and um, that there's that it's necessary to wear sunglasses. I mean, do you think our ancestors wore sunglasses? They did just fine. No one's eyes burned out of their head. You know, you don't want to look at the sun, but ancient practices like sun gazing, you know, and I'm sure there's many cultures that have done it in the Ayurvedic system. It's quite prevalent and known. Uh, there's a reason why we do that because the light from the sun is what lights our energy bodies. Basically, human beings are walking solar panels and we've been kind of misled for different reasons um, that 
the sun is our enemy and that we're not solar panels, that we need to cover up our solar panel. Your eyes and your skin and the top of your head, which is why in some cultures they shave their head, is because they know that the infrared light from the sun can penetrate your brain and affect your pineal gland. I mean, that's like the relationship that we're meant to have with sun. Another way that's really beautiful to work with light is red light therapy. Uh, that is you know, obviously not natural, but it's using some of the other wavelengths of light that exist at dawn and at dusk, which is the red uh, wavelengths of light. And this is really energizing and restorative too, especially for people that don't have the opportunity to get a lot of natural sun exposure, either because they're very fair or because they live in the Northern hemisphere and the sun just isn't around much for them. But working with light and light temperatures, I think is something that's just, it's, it's funny because it's super cutting edge, but it's, it's not. It's like the oldest and most obvious thing. If you study ancient civilizations, we've always had a profound relationship with the sun and with light. And that's something that we've become largely disconnected from in an effort to afford ourselves the conveniences of lighting whatever we want to light whenever we want to light it. The other element of light that's really important to touch on is uh, something called the flicker effect. And when you're dealing with natural light, when you walk outside in the sun right now, all natural light, including fire and moonlight, is a steady stream of light. It doesn't flicker. It's just one consistent stream of light. But in an effort to save energy, human beings have invented uh, different types of light. Started with the incandescent light bulb, which essentially uses electricity like fire to create illumination. But we invented something called a fluorescent light and then LED lights, which is what most lights are now because they're cheap and economical and they do save energy. Uh, unfortunately, what they don't save is your brain. Uh, those lights save energy by turning on and off constantly. And it's not perceivable by the naked eye, but you can take an LED light or a fluorescent light and you can hold a camera up to it and film it on slow-mo and you'll see it go poof, 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 turn on and off constantly. And that's how they save energy. And that's why those lights don't get that hot, which is great. Everyone loves to save energy, save the planet, save coal. But what we're not saving is our health. And so when you're staring at a phone, that's an LED light. A computer, it's an LED light. It's going, I forget how many times a second it turns on and off. But essentially what happens is your iris is trying to adjust to light, dark, light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. This is very fatiguing to your brain. It's really bad for your brain. And you can you know, look this up. Again, not scare tactics, but just to you know, get back to what's natural which is not really radical. It's just basic common sense that our bodies and our eyes are meant to be exposed to as much natural light as possible and to use artificial light, especially lights that flicker uh, sparingly. And if you want to get really crazy down the rabbit hole of flicker, um, devices and video games and different things are actually designed. And this went back to the 1950s with the advent of television commercials. There's a flicker rate that's put into TV ads and into the devices to keep you addicted to it. So it's not just that those juicy Instagram photos that you love, like keep you on your phone longer than you want to. There's a flicker rate that's very hypnotic. And this was used in television for years. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but it's just an actual conspiracy. It's not a theory. It's a real thing. I love my phone. I love my computer. I'm on that shit all the time. And you know, I'm not sitting there being, oh my God, the flicker is brainwashing me. But it's just it's something to be aware of. It's an interesting adjunct to that technology, um, aside from just you know, uh, using it to save energy. Next element I'd like to cover would be air. And this is a great one for kundalini yoga 
because so much of what we're working with here is our breath, right? And the subtle body and using the energy of the body to create heat, to create prana. And really what we're doing is we're just hyper-oxygenating ourselves. And one thing that can really help us feel more vitality and more power, and again, power to not exert over others, but power to exert through your higher self and your spiritual will is oxygen. And there's only a couple different ways you can get more oxygen. One is you can go in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Two, you can buy little oxygen canisters and you can huff them. I like to do that on the airplane when there's a low oxygen saturation in the air. But the other way is you got to breathe. And because there's not very much oxygen in our atmospheric air anymore, then breath work becomes a really crucial component, a crucial practice. And whether you're doing it in the form of a Kundalini Kriya, you're, you're following you know, this teaching. I'm just a huge fan and proponent of breath in general and, and using the breath intelligently. And there's something that's really profound that happens when you combine the breath with cold exposure. And I'm sure some of you have heard of Wim Hof. He's a, um, I think he's uh, Dutch. Dutch guy invented something called the Wim Hof method, which once I learned it, I was like, this, this is just Kundalini yoga. <laughs> you know? It's Kundalini yoga. And then you jump in freezing water. It all kind of, you know, everything sort of comes from the same source, right? And there's different streams that kind of come down the mountain. But uh, when you look at source, it's always the same thing. And it's, it's the idea of bringing that energy into the body and harnessing that energy in the body. And so I'm just a huge proponent of whatever breath work can be had. And also when possible, keeping the air as clean as you can within your house. You know, those of us that live in the city, I mean, I've been in LA for 30 years. It has gotten actually a little bit better because of smog laws on your car and things like that. But it's it's a heavily polluted city and the air pollution there is gnarly. And so it's... um, it's really important to have some sort of filtration or something like that if you live in a city, especially if you're going to be really working with breath work. You know, at times I'll go out outdoors in LA and do breath work, and I'm like, you know, between the chemtrails and the smog, I, you know, and everything going on in the air, it's like, hmm, I don't know if that did more harm than good. You know, it can be a little bit gnarly, but I do know that building that practice is just extremely potent, and also um, the other benefits of it also include really having a profound effect on not only your nervous system, but your immune system. And I've had the experience many times where I felt like I'm, I'm getting a cold, like I'm getting a little bit sick. And I think, all right, what's going to boost my immune system? And counterintuitively, one of the things that's best for your immune system is cold exposure too, going back to that. But I always know it's time to do some breath work. I need oxygen. I need to clean my blood. I need to energize my blood. And then whenever possible, combine that, not at the same time, mind you, but afterward, combining that with some cryotherapy, ice bath, cold exposure, jump in a lake, jump in a creek. And I've actually stopped colds, flus, dead in their tracks on so many occasions, I can't even count just from doing that. Just having the awareness like, oh, I just sneezed. Something's feeling a little funky. I need oxygen. I need air. I'm oxygen deprived. And so um, that's another one of those elements that I think we kind of miss and we take for granted because you just, you know, your body breathes you. You don't have to really think about breathing, right? I mean, you can't actually stop breathing if you contemplate it in that way. Each one of us could sit here and I could say, all right, everyone stop breathing for the next 20 minutes, you know, and your body's just going to go, nope. 
And consciousness itself is going to go and it's going to push air into you because it knows you need oxygen to stay alive, just like just about everything. But we can work with that using our will and we can supercharge that experience so that we're actually hyper oxygenating our body and cleaning our blood. And that has a profound effect on your, you know, immune system and just your consciousness. There's just something very elevating about that. And that was one of the first things that really drew me near and attracted me to the practice of Kundalini yoga was just getting in here and going, whoa, oh my God, I was sort of depressed or I had some anxiety. I had lower states of consciousness or an emotional experience going on walking into class. And if it's a class that happens to have a lot of breathing going on, I started to notice like, holy shit, I'm in a really good mood and nothing's changed in my outer experience. It's like really powerful in its ability to change one's perception. And it's just, I find it so strange. Like, why did that make my problems not problems anymore? All I did was breathe in and out in some strange ways and, you know, somewhat vigorously. And now I'm having a completely different outlook on life. And I just, I love the things that we can do for ourselves that don't require going to a healer or practitioner or buying anything or any of that. Really, the most powerful things we can do to feel more alive and to feel our power and our energy are largely free. And they just, come with some basic fundamental understandings of how we're designed to live on the planet. And at the same time, you know, giving ourselves some breathing room and knowing that, hey, it is what it is. And we all have an expiration date and we're going to check out at some time. So we can't be overly concerned with all of it. But there are practices that we can begin to implement that bring us back into alignment with where we came from. And I think... That's about all I wanted to cover in my PowerPoint. And with that, I think I'll end. So thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for joining me on this trip to Spain, folks. Now that I'm back on native soil in the US of A, I got to say, man, you know, I love to travel. I love exploring different countries and cultures and places. And Majorca, Spain is next level. Had an amazing time there with my girlfriend doing these events going to beaches, hanging out, just doing the damn thing and um, could have stayed longer. It was amazing. But every time I come back home to my humble abode here in Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles, California, I'm just reminded how much I love America and I'm happy to be back. However, I'm not back for long. As you know, I'm going to the Health Optimization Summit in London, 14th and 15th. I'll be the MC and doing all kinds of wacky stuff over there. If you want free tickets, again, don't trip. Do this right now go to lukestory.com forward slash London. That's lukestory.com forward slash London. Or if you've got a US phone, just text me. Text the word London to 44222. That's London to 44222. And it's very likely you'll win a free ticket. So if you're planning on being in Europe or being in the UK, uh, mid-September, come hang out. This event's going to be absolutely insane. Let's thank our sponsors. We've got Blue Blocks, best blue blocking glasses to protect your eyes, protect your melatonin, keep that dopamine high, make you super happy, regulate your circadian rhythm, keep you yoked to the natural light cycle of the planet. Super important. Go to blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X, blueblocks.com. The code is lifestylist. That saves you 15%. If you want some dope bee products, go to beekeepersnaturals.com. Enter the code lifestylist save 15% there. The best honey in the world, hands down, period. Tested for glyphosate. That's the thing. You're playing yourself if you're eating like 
oh, organic honey. Yeah, but guess what? The farm down the road, like four miles, is not organic, and they're spraying pesticides, including Roundup, which wrecks your gut and your whole life. Uh, but they can still call it organic because they can't control the pesticides that the bees bring from the uh, flora on surrounding areas. Beekeepers Naturals is so chronic and they test for all that shit and it's completely clean. I love it. Now we've got Onda Wellness CBD. Yes, yes, yes. The code there is Luke15. The discount's 15% and their site is ondawellness.com. Super rad CBD. All right, thanks for listening. Share the show with a friend and uh, hope you're enjoying your summer. I can't wait to bring you next Tuesday's episode with Ted Achacoso. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.